The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Okay, high five those close to you. We are a degree above zero. We celebrate a Tuesday edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. Damon says rum does not freeze. He will be here to prove it. Load it up today. We'll chat with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Excited to say hi to Mitch. Rick Piso, Big Ten Buffet. We will cover all. Big Ten basketball, specifically Nebraska, Maryland tonight. And then it's another Tuesday with Kaz. We welcome in longtime Nebraska assistant Rick Kaczynski. And uh, we will dive into the, uh, the the truth or rumor that cold snow football is awesome. It was when we were kids playing in the backyard. I pray that Junior has actually showered and gotten off his gaming system. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. So Nebraska, an opportunity to, dare I say it, put back-to-back wins together. The line is minus 10. Uh, Fear the Turtle is favored. What can happen tonight with Nebraska basketball? Not to beat the dead horse that is frozen, but some uh, commentary from Wandale Robinson. He sat down on a Kentucky podcast. Uh, We'll spend some time on that. More work being done by a guy I have a ton of respect for in his story. That is Cade Warner. Make that Kurt Warner continuing to shop footage of Cade out there. And it's just rubbing me wrong. And I'll say that. But I uh, want to get into uh, a, a cinema event that still has me smiling. Urban Legend says it may be Tom Osborne's favorite movie as they watched it on the way down to uh, destroy Kansas State in 1996. Happy 25th birthday, Happy Gilmore. Okay, it's been 25 years since I've done this. Let's see what happens. I'm scared. (laughs) Shooter McGavin, this is for you. And I'm not lying to you, that is smashed. Smashed. And that went pretty well. You dead shooter. <laughs> so good. Adam Sandler at a golf course filming the patented Happy Gilmore sprint up to the ball, hockey style, 
and you could just hear it. He crushed it. So that's awesome. So uh, blow out the candles for hap, hap, Happy Gilmore. So let's get into Nebraska basketball, right? Clown's mouth. A little bit of a transition there. Huskers have an opportunity here. And I'm going to try and paint this eh, positively, I guess, for Nebraska basketball. A, from a momentum standpoint. But <laughs> I don't like to go this route, but I mean it. The pressure's on Maryland. Maryland's the team right now at 11 and 10. Maryland's the team right now at 5 and 9. Maryland's the team right now that's on the outside looking in barely bubble-wise. And, you know, if, if you're in that camp of, well, the Big Ten hates Nebraska, why do you give back-to-back games? <laughs> Isn't one enough? Well, if you're trying to get, now that Nebraska's a marquee win, it's a quad four win, maybe it's moved up to a quad three, don't know quite yet, but they'd been a quad four opponent with this losing streak they'd been on. Listen, Maryland needs wins, and if you're the Big Ten and you want another team in, you could walk down that path that says, ah, let's just give Maryland back-to-back against Nebraska. Nebraska's a struggling team. It's something Maryland should be able to handle. And they're just not consistent, like a lot of teams in COVID 2021. With the I mean, they're Duke consistent right now, right? And I know Duke's finding their own problems with a star opting out, which is just garbage, three weeks in. So, I mean, Maryland... Listen, they they beat in Minnesota, okay? Um, they beat in Illinois on the road, so that's that's a a, a big time win. They uh, that's about it. They've swept Maryland. Uh, Maryland has swept Minnesota, and they've won at Illinois, which is probably as good of a win as anybody's got in college basketball. If we're looking at just rankings. They also have a win uh, at Wisconsin when Wisconsin was number six on a Monday. So there, there's two wins and a a sweep. So that is peak Maryland. But what you get from them is some emotional inconsistency. Look, Aaron Wiggins is a guy you got to worry about if you're Nebraska. Averaging 13 a contest, 17 points a game, five straight games. Uh, You've got uh, uh, Ayala that's that's almost 40% from three. He's another double-digit scorer at 14 a contest. Uh, Dante Scott, 6'7". He can do work in the paint. He can also uh, bring you out and, and go distance on you at 46%. So Maryland has three 12 to 14-point scores in that lineup. The guy that is going to be kind of their off or their on switch is uh, Daryl uh, Morell. He's their energy guy. He's their attitude guy. But he's also their... I'm going to drop my head and pout guy if things don't go well. Uh, I think if you're Nebraska basketball, you can absolutely build on the, the, the efficiency Banton had. Uh, you can build on what your offense is going with, with more control by Hoiberg, with the, the back cuts and the ball movement. You've seen proof of concept. You almost beat Illinois with Fred barking out the calls, you did beat Penn State. And you looked as good as you've looked in a long time for 
three-fourths of the ball game. What do you get from McGowan's? Does he stay locked in defensively? He's your key tonight defensively because of his athleticism. Do you still get Teddy playmaker Allen tonight, or do you get Teddy, I'm going one-on-four Allen tonight? That's always the coin flip. Uh, Lat's been good. He's been kind of streaking five straight double digits. The guy I'm excited for is, is Derek Walker because of his mobility, because of his, of, of his intensity, and because of what, what type of attitude he brings. He's been in these high-level games. He comes from a high-level program. You heard Coach Hoiberg talk about that. A guy like Derek Allen is going to be able to maybe grow his offense I think that might be something if Nebraska is or does struggle from the outside or with their offense, Walker's a guy that they can get the ball to. And Walker's also a guy that can distribute when it comes to finding teammates. But their their straw is morsel, and then they've got just flat-out insane talent on the wings. But it's really going to come down to, to... keeping Hoiberg with the control, the, the, the game control in hand with the offense, keep bringing that defensive intensity. And, you know, what can you do, A, if Maryland wants to or tries to pressure you to, to counter that because you didn't handle it well with, with Penn State? Does, does Maryland throw some zone at you because it, it screwed up your offensive flow? But you can't have a scoring drought, and survive uh, against Maryland. And and you'll get another crack at it. The thing here, too, uh, when it comes to uh, Nebraska, the the offense is either feast or famine, right? And uh, Maryland is a team that that isn't traditional Maryland, right? The the old running Terps from back in the day. They're more half court, and that's okay. Nebraska can go win ugly, and Nebraska's got its own special brand of ugly basketball, but they can absolutely make this thing murky and get a win. And listen, you you just want to continue to see him compete. You want to continue to see him grow and get better. I think that can happen tonight. Uh, We'll see. Tip off at 6.15 on BTN. And... uh, Here's a cheers to Nebraska basketball trying to to put games back to you know back to back wins together. The uh, ESPN uh, basketball index says Maryland has an eighty two point nine percent chance of predicted win tonight. Damon Barr, how did you celebrate the win at Penn State? Did you pour a pour a little box wine and, and cheers? That that was more of a whoa that happened kind of thing like they've uh, been close su- surprisingly nice cap to a sunday night it was that news wasn't shabby at all let's dive into uh the latest and, and listen wandale robinson is going to be missed wandale robinson's a guy that nebraska fans have, have moved on for on on from so why are you still talking about it i'm bringing it up because there's a little bit more in-depth substance here from Wandale. So Kentucky landed a top transfer. You know that. And uh, you have uh, Robinson kind of touched on the ramifications of the COVID pandemic playing a part in his decision to transfer. 
with his mom becoming ill. I totally believe that, that he needed to be closer to home. In a recent interview, he went uh, in-depth again on his decision to leave. And this is uh, Wandale Robinson, and the podcast is behind Kentucky football. And here's a quote. I sat down with my dad and people that are close to me, his trainer, and we just kind of talked at the end of the year. We just felt like it was better for me to kind of hit the portal and with my mom, too. She was dealing with COVID. I definitely knew that I wanted to get closer to home, and it was just a perfect fit with me coming here with the new offense and things like that. So Robinson did highlight new Kentucky offensive coordinator Liam Cohen, who's arriving after three years with the Rams. He got the McVay treatment there. And this is Robinson saying, you know, I saw the hire, again, quoting, when I saw the hire, that really caught my eye with Cohen coming from the NFL and bringing that system. So just being able to get closer to home and do things I want to do to get to the next level, it was a perfect fit. So, Kentucky's coaching staff quickly reached out to Robinson when his name entered the portal. Robinson, obviously a Kentucky native, started Western Hills and uh, always kept that bridge intact between Kentucky. So here's the question I'm going to ask out loud, and this isn't any accusation towards Wandale. The kid just wants to play ball. I believe he was a really good teammate for Nebraska. We all know the type of effort and attitude he had during practice and game days. I mean, he was a guy that 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 put the work in to match really incredible talent. But there there is some gray area for me with this game of telephone. Is Wandale's eye wondering to go back home because of his mother, probably. Is his eye wandering at all because he's frustrated with usage here? Yes, that's been discussed. It's not the fact that he's not getting touches, but it's the touches he's getting and the abuse he's taking at running back versus being in the slot. The deal maker for him was we got an NFL guy from a McVeigh system that's going to put me in the slot. An NFL guy can tell other NFL guys that I can ball in that position and it can all be good for my goal, and that's getting to the NFL. What's the gray area, though? Is there somebody, a part of Kentucky staff, that has been in the ear of parents and trainers and, well, we can't tell you to jump in the portal but we can sure as hell alert you that all right here's what you got coming back from an offensive uh, what you got coming in from a new offensive coordinator standpoint and are you sure you want to spin your wheels in Nebraska I mean that's the pitch yeah you're getting the ball but you're running the ball you're not catching the ball what, what kind of quarterback all these things are just constantly probably going into Wandale's ear I forget his trainer's name. I should know that. But his trainer is the same dude that, that trained him and trained uh, uh, Rondale Moore. And if you're if you're a kid in college and you felt good enough to, to come to Lincoln and it's not, you're not winning 
and you think the grass may be greener in the bluegrass state that you were committed to, but you got people, family working on you to come home, a trainer working on you to come home, people are part of the Kentucky program working on you to come home, and it's not been real good and you're not going to a bowl game and it's been frustrating, this is the result. And I have no idea how you compete uh, against that if you're Nebraska other than getting to bowl games and winning and being a little bit more efficient on offense and finding a, a running back to physically hand the ball off to to let Wandale do his thing as a slot receiver. I know, yeah, I get a wide receiver that can stretch the field, so the, the, the world can't concentrate on, on Wandale. But there's a little bit more info, a little bit more of a reveal as to the why. Mitch Sherman's next. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We'll uh, run down Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, some basketball thoughts tonight. We welcome in Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, you've been uh, following much Nebraska basketball. How are you? Yeah, I'm ready for the doubleheader. Uh, back-to-back days. I've been following somewhat. I was I was in uh, Lincoln on Sunday, Saturday, Saturday. When did Nebraska win that game? It was Sunday, Saturday? Sunday, Sunday about 4.30 to, yeah, to so 7. Yeah, day three of the uh, fourth grade basketball tournament. So, you know, you lose track of days. Plus, you know, this weather. I can't, I don't know what day it is. We're on, we're on day four without school. So that's, that's all I know. Anyway, I was driving home. I uh, got to listen to and, and uh, um, had it on the uh, phone. I was, I was watching the road, but it was on the phone <laughs> uh, for, for my passengers Got to see Nebraska take down Penn State while driving, driving back to uh, to uh, Stark County from from Lincoln. So, um, good win, good win for Hoiberg. They really, man, they needed it. They needed to just uh, find a way to turn something around. And, and you know, I didn't, I didn't, ha- I didn't have a great amount of confidence when it when it came down to the end and and Penn State hit the four point mm-hmm. four point play. You know, and I, I remarked to uh, my um, passengers in the car that you know when this thing ends. Nebraska when this 26 game Big Ten losing streak ends I, I just I don't feel like it's going to happen in one of these one point or close real close game pull you know pull something out moments I feel like they're going to almost have to win a game by double digits just because if something can go wrong at the end of a game it will and then they uh, they prove me wrong and Teddy Allen hit the shot and ran out of uh, the arena and he ran all the way to Maryland, right? He, well, he got a head start, didn't he? I mean, that that was that was uh winning the gold uh game 7 NBA finals uh <laughs> national championship game winner, smart at the buzzer. That that's what that moment represented also except it was on the opposite end. You'd ended a horrific losing streak. Right. Everyone celebrating, you're sprinting out. But hey, uh, there were some nice steps by Teddy Ball game, uh, the way he distributed right, and and it was kind of a uh, an instigator with the offense versus you know things that that just are drive Nebraska basketball fans absolutely mad, 
and that is and Fred's hit on it a lot about playing smarter basketball, either stupid yeah. passes or let's go one yeah. on five like it's why pickup and they they didn't do that for most of the Penn State game. I'm interested to see how they handle success tonight now that they've tasted yeah. a little success tonight. Yeah, I don't I don't know that this thing's going to turn around in 2021. This you know this this winter and spring to the point where you're going to be looking at a whole handful of victories mm-hmm. in the Big Ten for Nebraska. But I do think that they are going to see this last stretch of games, starting with that Minnesota game where Teddy Allen was suspended, as a turning point or some kind of an important moment in the progress in the maturity of Fred Hoiberg's program because it's hard to make that decision when you've lost that many games in a row as a coach to sit your best player or certainly one of your best players, your leading scorer. And he did, and you know Nebraska didn't wilt in that situation, and it came back when, when Teddy returned to the court and just about beat a top-ten team. Mm-hmm. I mean, had it right there and then didn't fall back from that disappointment and went on the road and won. You know, I'm not going to say it's the same as winning at Penn State in a normal year where, although, you know, Penn State isn't known for its fan support, even still, it's more difficult to win at Penn State when it's a tough place to play. You know, everywhere in the Big Ten is a tough place to play, including Penn State. Look at the, look at Penn State's record over the years, recent years at home and the teams that it has knocked off in that arena, even when that arena is 30 or 40 percent full. So it's, so it's, you know, 5% full or 1% full, um, probably not a huge difference. It's a difference uh, for Nebraska on Sunday. It's a tough place to play. So really, like, back-to-back-to-back games where the team showed resilience and toughness. And, you know, I think that carries through. Even if it doesn't show up in all of the results or, you know, with a bunch of wins, I think it carries through and it turns into something as long as they can keep this roster intact and then add those guys Mm -hmm. Um, McGowan's and, and the rest of this incoming class um, to to have the kind of team next year that I know that they thought they were going to have. I'm sure there's been some doubts with the way this season has gone, if really next year can be a tournament contending team. But um, if it is, if they keep this roster together, they're gonna, I think they're going to look back at this three-game stretch in February coming off of that COVID pause. Mitch, I'm excited for Nebraska fans for when things turn back to normalcy. We talk a lot about normalcy with this this awful pandemic. But you've been alive and a fan and a native Nebraskan, as have I, grew up going or at least watching games, and then we've been fortunate enough to cover Nebraska for a long time and we we can both remember when it was gold when Danny Knees having cocktails at Barry's after you know mm-hmm. taking down Oklahoma and Nebraska's a, a tournament team or Nebraska gets a big win over a Colorado or a Michigan State uh, with a cousin I mean there's been moments that aren't that far removed and Nebraska fans man they're just starving for a step forward to kind of get back on that path of relevancy and can kind of hold your head high about having really good programs. Yeah, there have been moments as recently as, as a few years ago. I mean, the, 
2014, there were moments. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, Tim Miles had some of those moments, just, just not enough with enough consistency and enough building toward the future to, to um, you know, keep that thing going. But, you know, I believe they'll come for, for Fred Hoiberg. I think he's going to have some highs with this program that rival what Nebraska has done in the past when, it, when it's had its, its highest moments. I'm, I'm, I'm still optimistic that he'll take Nebraska to a place that it's never been as a program and win a game or multiple games in the NCAA tournament at some point. And it seems crazy to say, um, you know, it seems uh, maybe somewhat unrealistic to think about when you've just now broken a 26 game conference losing streak, but uh, and it's not like you see all the signs, you know, there's nothing that you can look at on the court and say, well, you know, I can tell they're building toward that, but um the work that, that he and his staff have done in putting to get, starting to put together a roster, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to really look, I think, next year with a full offseason, with a, with a summer and a fall that is normal, and a non-conference season that is normal in the fall of 2021. Please, knock on wood, let's right. have that. Um, then I think you'll see a different-looking team as far as its competitiveness and its postseason it's drive for the postseason uh, a year from now. I mean, something that's like night and day mm-hmm. as far as what we've seen at times on the court this year. Mitch, uh, let's switch to football and really loved your work with uh, the crazy decade of, of Nebraska. That was incredible. Uh, the stories, the moments, the the listings, the rankings uh, from last week. Could have gone on. We could have gone. No, on. I know, could brother. Have done Thirty or forty. Yeah. <laughs> the the old Mitch Sherman top forty countdown. Uh, yes, and uh, when switched uh, off to just kind of you know we talk about that that moment for Nebraska basketball. You've uh, put some research together for a scholarship breakdown and some key questions and players to look at. And man, things are always centered around the quarterback with what. You know what kind of performance can you get, and what's what's waiting behind Adrian? Uh, if if there's injury, if there's ineffectiveness, but a lot of questions and and some answers out there for hopefully for Nebraska football with uh, again a, a normal spring, right? Yeah, I just put together a piece that that published today on the Athletic about Nebraska's complete scholarship and eligibility picture, which is just a different subject to tackle here. In a, in a post-2020 world than really anything we've ever looked at in college football because of that freeze in eligibility last year. So you've got third-year freshmen on this roster. You've got a bunch of six-year seniors on, on this roster. These aren't things that are normal in the world of college football, and, and it's going to cause coaches and recruits to make decisions and approach situations differently over at least this next year or two than really what they've ever had to, to, to do. You're going to have to look at things through a different lens. You're not going to really necessarily call guys juniors or sophomores next year. It's more about how much eligibility they have left in the program. So instead of listing these the, the, the 89 Nebraska players on scholarship um, by their classes, I listed them in this piece by the, the amount of eligibility that they have left. And of those 89 players, 53 have four years of eligibility left. So essentially, they're freshmen. Now, there are first-year freshmen, second-year freshmen, and third-year freshmen in that group. But still, it's 53 out of 89 in your program, and Nebraska only has six 
scholarship players right now. It may add one or two if, say, Connor Culp or Levi Falk gets added to scholarship before next August. But right now, just six guys in the program who who have only one year to play. So it's just a very different um, different way. It's, it's amazing how just that one year and that freeze that the NCAA put on eligibility has changed the um, you know, the way that we have to look at at the way at how this team is built and how teams all around college football are are, are built in 2021 and and you know even moving into 22 and 23. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic. You read him there and follow him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Uh, is uh, where you find him on uh, Twitter. Mitch, about 30 seconds, bud. What else you working on here for The Athletic? What can folks uh, look forward to towards the end of the week? I'll be answering everybody's questions in a mailbag on Friday and looking ahead a little bit to some, you know, this is combine time of year. There is yeah. no normal combine this year, but um, players are still working out. Ex-Huskers are still working out. They're at different spots around the country. Some um, have been in Lincoln, will be coming back to Lincoln. Nebraska is going to have a pro day as usual in the third week of March, around March 23rd, I believe is the, uh, is the day they've got set. So looking at some of that stuff next week and, um, you know, starting to peak at 2022 recruiting. Um, another, another thing that's, uh, that's on my radar is a story to tackle pretty soon. A lot of Omaha kids getting, uh, offers from all over the country and, Kid out of Columbus is uh, really talented. So, yeah, the uh, secret's out on in-state talent for sure. Right, right. When you see Miami and Oklahoma coming in and, <laughs> and, uh, and hitting this area hard, you know that something is a little bit different in that, uh, in that 22 class. That's really cool. Mitch, appreciate your time. Great to be with you. Thanks for the time today. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Take All care. Right. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good stuff from Greg Smith to to get into here Uh, when it comes to uh, recruiting and just where Nebraska's at. Getting on the field's uh, real key. And, you know, what's the reality here when it comes to perception and reality? So, recruiting is constant. It's 24-7. It's an industry, but it's also a situation where there there are more platforms to get your son or daughter on the field, or at least showcased somehow, and this goes back to to what our family's experienced, and it's not from a recruiting standpoint. My kid doesn't play ball because we dream of him getting a scholarship athletically. He's a Schmidt. That isn't going to happen. But uh, it is cool that you have options and opportunity to to try out and be a part of some some travel teams. And there's enough travel teams where if you want your kid to play – there's a team he'll land on or she'll land on. And then there's some really, really high-level uh, competition that you see where you have guys like uh, Hunter Salas and crew doing the AAU tour, right? So, I mean, it, it spans the, the gamut here spectrum-wise. So when it comes to uh, the recruiting, 
that happens. And we spent a little time with this on yesterday's show with Greg Smith about a guy like Garrett Nelson and Cam Taylor Britt, guys that were able to get on the field as, as freshmen. And and you, you know about Garrett's motor. You know where he's been. And he was a three-star prospect, was Nelson out of, out of Scott's Bluff. What type of offers were, were out there for Nelson? Nelson's a good football player. And Nelson's uh, an improving football player. And, and he's a guy that is, is going to continue to get payoffs from the work and coaching he gets and what he puts in. So you've seen guys in instances really grow their game with Cam Taylor, Britt, Garrett Nelson, who saw the field early. It doesn't happen for everybody all the time. It's not just you snap your fingers, and if you're a high-profile recruit, you're going to get on the field. In some instances, yes, you do. But coaches, and rightfully so, are cautious to throw guys out there before they're ready. How How do you prove you're ready? Well, do it in practice, first of all. But even a guy like Miles Farmer, right? I mean, you saw a little bit of him uh, with the redshirt rule in 19. And then what did what does Miles Farmer do? Well, he's playing uh, for a, a guy in the secondary who's serving a suspension due to targeting. And, and two monster interceptions set up Nebraska to get leads. Uh, a lead in in the game and, and lead to two scores against Northwestern. I mean, that's a guy who has been developed, is ready for the stage, comes in and is able to adjust during the flow of the game and bang, makes an immediate impact. Wandale Robinson, Bryce Benhart, Nick, Hen- Nick Henrich was a machine against Rutgers. Ty Robinson's been really good. So Nebraska's done wonderful work with guys from 18 and 19, right? I mean, I know Mo Washington's no longer part of the pro- program, but when his head was screwed on, that kid was making plays against Iowa. That guy was making plays against Colorado. Adrian Martinez has had his ups and downs, but he's been really good at times. Casey Rogers, Will Honus, Deontay Williams, all these guys that have come in and been able to contribute. And I, I think... As a Nebraska fan, you got to be pretty excited about a guy like Turner Corcoran. Made his first start against kind of a speedy but smaller defense and did really well at, at left tackle. So it's good for your program to have kids and use them and get them on the field early if they're ready. And I think Nebraska is very smart and cautious about when they put a kid in. Right now, the reality, as we have talked about transfers a lot, is if a kid or a kid's guardian or parent or trainer or whatever doesn't think, well, you know, so and so should be playing because he's better than the kid that's in front of him. You're always going to have that, and you've got a real battle on your hands right now if you're in a, if you're any college football coach because of this transfer situation, this setup you have. And Nebraska's lost some talented kids. Not all of them have gone on to big-time stops, but you got a couple of the Florida kids that have ended up, one's gone to Maryland, one's gone to Florida State. So, and each situation's different. Which leads me to the uh, the Cade and Kurt Warner topic, and uh, not to 
again, beat a frozen dead horse here. But I look at, at Twitter and this, I, I follow Kurt on Twitter. And again, Kurt is posting footage, I think, uh, you know, a few hours ago. And I mean, he's, I mean, He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He does NFL Network. He does Westwood One Radio. He called the Super Bowl. He's tremendous as a player and as a broadcaster. And Kurt Warner's a guy who went from Hy-Vee to the Arena League to a Super Bowl because he never stopped believing. He never quit grinding. Uh, and he always believed in his talent. And he got the right situation. And, man, he made it pop a couple of different times. I mean, two teams to the Super Bowl and two two franchises that he he turned around. I mean, he had some good talent around him in, in, in St. Louis, and he had some help down in Arizona as well. But the point is, is you got both of those squads to the Super Bowl because you're money at quarterback. And I, I feel for him a little bit with it, it. It's a second post of the same footage. And the way he couches it on social media, I know it's weird, a weird time for coaches recruiting in the pandemic. Without, with uh, so many kids in the portal. And yes, you have you know almost 1,500 kids in the portal. So he wanted to repost on, on his son, Kate. And good for dad having his kids back. Um, and look, he was a captain in Nebraska looking for a place to have a bigger impact between the lines. Has a couple of great offers as he searches for the perfect fit. So that's good. He has a couple of offers. But what are his offers? Are they Division Two? Are they a South Dakota, South Dakota State? And those are those are nice programs, but you're you're the one that's leaving Nebraska. You've been a captain. You started games before. Are you getting passed up? Are you worried about usage? Are you worried about faith in in what's going on, or the faith in going to to, to Warner, going back to Warner, and he didn't have the year he wanted last year on the field clearly. And some of the mentions here in social media are, they're not vicious, but, you know, you got one that says, you know, just curious, why leave after being named a captain? And and Kurt responds, he loved Nebraska, loved his experience, simply wants to have a bigger role between the lines. And unless practice action doesn't mean anything, I think there's always a door open to go earn that time. I would think we'll wind down a Tuesday, hour one. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. So we'll uh, chat and get a preview on Nebraska-Maryland as the Huskers look for two in a row. In uh, their first of two back-to-backs against Maryland. So, Pizzo is up in 10 minutes. Rick Kaczynski, Coach Kaz. We will dive into just how fun football is in Sub-Zero weather. Is that uh, truth or rumor? We, we had Adam Sandler celebrate the 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore. It's release. Loved the movie. Saw it in the theater. Carson loved it. Uh, Junior's not much of a golfer, but when he has kept a, a ball dry off the box and he makes a putt, there used to be a little bit of a bull dance going on. Proud of him there. And there's so many 
lines from that movie. And the the Chubbs factor with the, the fake hand was too good. And uh, I had to remind Junior when he was starting out baseball that, no, you can't jump in front of the pitching machine with just a helmet on <laughs> and, and t- take him off the uh, the sternum. There's been a response. There's been a rebuttal by Shooter. Nice drive, Gilmore. 25 years, huh? Let's see if it's uh, Shooter's Tour. Check it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all about the short game. Drive for show, putt for the dough. Money. Shooter. Still got it. Well, thank you to all the fans, and thank you to you, Adam Sandler. And, uh... Why don't you just meet me at the ninth green at nine, Gilmore? <laughs> Little secret of the pro. Okay. Oh, and uh, Gilmore, wear something nice. Twenty <laughs> fifth anniversary, baby. Pretty good. So, are you uh, as big of a Happy Gilmore guy as I am? I think Happy Gilmore is one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies. Honestly. There's only like Just three that are worth watching: Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, and Wolf- Bullet- Bulletproof was pretty good. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I know the the Water Boys there, and what else is out there? Little Nicky and Big. I mean, all he stole my money after, quite honestly, after Happy Gilmore, he he took my money for a long time, and then is it Uncut Gems? Is that it? Yeah, that's that was the good. New one. That was yeah, sweet. I like that one. Yeah, that was pretty good. But yeah, he uh, he hit it out of the park. His first. Uh, First couple flicks post Saturday Night Live, and uh, and there you go. So, are you going to uh, give the points, take the points with Nebraska Maryland tonight? Have you decided yet? I'm a little on the fence here. Two two in a row would be a, a wonderful thing to happen. They've been underdog double digits like the last five uh, games. I think I, I think they they might not win a close game, but I I don't think they'll. Uh, Do you think they'll cover? Think, I don't think. Yeah, I think they'll cover tonight, at the See, very least. I here's what I think. I think they. I think they come out all right. I think Maryland has got a. Then they got a sweep. Quite honestly, if Maryland wants to have any discussion about tournaments I think Maryland probably wins and covers tonight but it's between that 8 and 12 point window I think Nebraska tomorrow night maybe has a better opportunity who knows I'm just wondering about Nebraska's adrenaline and endurance I know they'll they'll play hard but when do they hit that wall Rick Pizzo's next on Hale Varsity Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A little Big Ten buffet time. We welcome in Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network at BT, and Rick Pizzo. Rick, uh, how sub-zero is it in your neighborhood? 
It's not the cold anymore, man. It is the accumulation and the volume of snow. My dog, who is not a small dog, went out with me this morning and literally got himself lost inside the snow. It's a good thing he has perky ears because it's pretty much the only part of his body I could see. How is the auto man dealing with this? <laughs> you know what, dude? He's a Swiss mountain dog, so he doesn't care. He's ready to go out in any and all circumstances, which is actually an issue for dad, because I'm not so sure that I'm ready to go outside in any and all circumstances. So you went to rescue him with a barrel around your neck is what you're telling me. <laughs> Correct. That's exactly well done. So I got to ask you, your take here on, on Nebraska basketball. We talked last week, and it was just kind of a rough go of it now nebraska finally got in the uh, the win column and did everything but but beat illinois on friday night and there's some progress here and it'll be interesting to see what they do tonight against maryland oh there's big time progress i mean listen penn state is no slouch either that's a pretty good basketball team i mean we saw them beat wisconsin we saw them take other teams right down to the line Nebraska's clearly playing its best basketball of the year, and now you have this really unique situation, right, where you have back-to-back games on the road against the same opponent. Nebraska is playing and should play like they have nothing to lose in these two games. Maryland is the team right now that has to feel the stress, Chris. I mean, they're the team that most people have them just on the wrong side of the bubble. Even if Maryland splits these games, they're probably going to lose net rating points. They're going to lose people believing that they should be on the right side of the bubble. Those people are probably going to go on the other side. So this is a a back-to-back series in which Maryland probably feels like they have to sweep it. And and for me, that means that Nebraska should come in playing its best basketball of the year, play loose. I would not be shocked at all to see the Huskers get at least one. You know Coach Hoiberg well. You got to see him in Chicago. You paid attention to him at Iowa State. And he's taken more of the reins offensively. And his system is so much fun to watch when guys execute, and that's the thing. It's all about execution, any sport. But the way that they were able to just kind of sling it around the horn, find the high post, get backdoor cuts, find guys in rhythm on kickouts, and be unselfish, do you think once they got that taste of victory, there's going to be more buy-in to unselfish play? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt that that's always going to help, right? I mean, any coach will tell you that it is a whole lot easier to teach after a win than it is after a loss. But to your point, Chris, I don't think he ever lost these guys mentally. And and that's not just through this season of a lot of tough losses, but obviously through the pause and through the pandemic and everybody dealing with – I mean, Nebraska has probably dealt with as much off-the-court stuff as anybody inside the Big Ten, non-basketball-related stuff. So – to not lose the team, to make them believe that even in the doldrums of February that you could pick up a win like that and and a game against Illinois that, let's be honest, they should have won, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, to be playing like that at this point in the season, I think Fred deserves a lot of credit, and I think that's why people that know basketball believe that it's going to be only a couple of years until he has Nebraska doing exactly what Iowa State did when he was in Ames. Rick Pizzo's with us, Big Ten Buffet, Hale Varsity Radio at BTN, Rick Pizzo on Twitter. And, you know, with with Coach Hoiberg, in your opinion, what is it about his personality that allows him to to be able to get guys that are in a bit of their career transition, i.e. the the transfer side, but also through this this march thereon, through the ups and downs of twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, 
Why do you think he's been able to connect with guys so well? Well, I think I'll answer your first question first, and I, and I think it's because he's kind of a low-key, cool guy. And when you consider that most guys that are transferring are leaving a program where things are not going the way that they want it to go. And in most cases, I would say it's their relationship with the coach. So I think then what you're looking for is you're looking for a guy who is going to let you be yourself. You're looking for someone who's going to accept you for who you are, for someone who's not going to get on you, take you out of the game immediately after one mistake. And that's what Fred is. He is a, to use a cliche term, he is a player's kind of coach. I mean, even when things didn't work out in Chicago, you talk to the players and they all loved playing for him for that reason. And when you get those guys in and you get guys that feel like they can do things without having to worry about repercussions, I think you're seeing both the good and bad of that this year, right? You're seeing a team that hasn't lost itself but you're seeing guys continue to kind of make the same mistakes. And I think, I don't want to speak for Fred, but I think his formula is you let the guys make those mistakes their first year in the program, then you get into the offseason, and then you can ride them a little bit because you've already built in that trust. Now they know that you have their back, that you're trying to take what is in their best interest and make it successful for both them and the basketball team. So I think that this offseason you take those guys who are making those mistakes, whether it's uncalled for charges or bad shots when you're in the middle of a rally and you get on them a little bit more now, I think you can't get on them right at the beginning because that's probably part of the reason they transferred in the first place. Fred's done this before. He knows the formula to make this work. Let's talk about Maryland. Uh, Your observation of Coach Turgeon's squad. I look at kind of the run Wiggins is on, Ayala's really nice, and then Scott, he's a big stretch that can hit from distance. What, what does peak Maryland look like? How good is this? How talented is this team? Well, that's the problem, right, is that I think peak Maryland's really good. The trouble is that we just haven't seen peak Maryland on a consistent basis this year. And for Maryland to play its best, the guys that you mentioned, all important. I think Ayala and Wiggins are the guys that have to consistently be the offense, and they've both been really good as of late but for this team to be at its best yes Dante Scott needs to be that inside guy who can also step out and pull out the four or five that's on him because he can knock down the occasional three and Daryl Morsell he is an energy guy he is kind of the attitude of that team and when he's really into it playing really hard playing really well everybody feeds off him but when he is struggling sometimes he can get a little down he can get a little frustrated And when that happens, I think that also affects the rest of the team. So that's when Maryland's at its best, when their offensive pieces, Ayala and Wiggins, are clicking, when Scott's playing inside out, and when Morcell is giving them the emotional lift in the right way that they need, that's when they can beat anybody. The problem is we haven't seen that a lot, at least not on a consistent basis this year. From a matchup standpoint, do you think Nebraska – matches up okay uh, defense has been their calling card and I think Derek Walker's really finding himself he was so big against Penn State yeah and I think that'll be the difference maker tonight too because you know Penn State wants to play fast as well and I thought Nebraska did a really nice job in kind of getting the tempo where they want it to be now Maryland is more comfortable with slowing it down but I think that could actually benefit Nebraska in the sense that Sometimes when Maryland slows it down, they actually slow it down too much and they get out of any kind of rhythm. Nebraska would love to get in a game tonight where there's not much rhythm and be able to muddy it up a little bit. You have to do that when you're away. You have to do that. I don't care if no fans are in the stands. You have to do that basically anywhere 
when you're playing on the road. I really think that this is a, a game in a series, right? I mean, how often do we call Big Ten basketball games series? But this is what this is. I think this is a series where Nebraska could not just surprise some people, but have a pretty big impact on what the NCAA tournament bubble looks like. You know, you look at where teams are at with that bubble and, and Maryland's kind of sitting there right as the the last four either in or, or next four out. Same with where Penn State was before their loss. Uh, you know, Purdue feels all right. Illinois is uh, right there with uh, on that, that one line or, or knocking on that door. And Ohio State in, in Michigan. I uh, want to kind of zoom out on the Big Ten. What a finish by Michigan in Badgerland. And I know that it gets – uh, a little bit more difficult for Michigan. They, they've got Rutgers coming in, which is never easy. And uh, you look at, at Michigan's uh, roadie here this weekend to Ohio State. I didn't know what to expect with, with Michigan. For them to come off COVID and get some key offensive rebounds and hit some tough shots, Jawan's got those guys locked in. He does, man. You want to talk about a guy who the players want to play for. I, I said that about Fred. It is absolutely the case. With Juwan. I mean, those guys are buying in, and they all admit it. They say, we believe in everything that Coach Howard tells us. Those are teams right there that can win national championships, and that is not a conversation that we thought we would be having about this Michigan team at the beginning of the year. I mean, obviously, we had no idea what Hunter Dickinson was going to be, and he has just been awesome. 13-15 and 15 in that game. Isaiah Liver is a future pro. they got a lot of guys that can handle the rock. Franz Wagner will play in the NBA, join his brother. They're a really talented team that we just slept on at the beginning of the year. And Juwan has gotten every single ounce of talent and ability out of that team this year. Uh, I was blown away by the fact that they were able to come back off that pause. I thought Wisconsin was a terrible matchup coming off a pause because you really can't simulate that. And you've been sitting out for 14 days, no practice, no anything. The way they played in the second half, I mean, they were down seven with what, like, six or seven minutes to go and close that game on a massive run. I mean, Michigan has shown us every single thing that you could ask for a basketball team to show you over the course of the year. A couple more minutes. Rick Pizzo's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Big Ten Buffet talking, Big Ten basketball. So who, who fades in the Big Ten, either because of schedule or just, just depth issues? And who do you think can close that might be teetering a bit right now because you got a log jam uh, really with with you know Rutgers and Purdue and then there's Indiana and Minnesota and Maryland all kind of fighting to, to get on the right side of the bubble uh, Sparty still got a bit of a pulse I always think they do with Izzo despite how they've kind of navigated the season so who can close to, to make a push and who may fall off just because of circumstance yeah, I'll go down from what I think is probably the five seed down. And I think that Purdue has overperformed. I wouldn't be surprised to see them struggle a little bit because they've relied so much on freshmen. And that is an awfully tough ask in February and going into early March. Minnesota's another team to keep an eye on. I think right now they're in, but Marcus Carr cannot do it all. He's a guy that needs a little bit of help from some of his surrounding pieces. Maryland not only has to win these two games against Nebraska, they've got to pick up one or two more signature wins. I think they're a team that could be on the outside looking in. One team that I would really keep my eye on is Indiana. Indiana is basically in the field, according to most quote-unquote bracketologists right now, only because of two wins, and they're against the same team. Those two wins over 
Iowa. You know, they almost were swept by Northwestern, got really lucky to beat the Wildcats in a double overtime win. I'm just not sure that Indiana is a team outside Trace Jackson Davis that has what it takes to survive the last three weeks. And if they don't, that opens up a spot. Right now, I believe they're probably among the last four in. They're going to be one of the most intriguing teams to me to watch over the next three weeks. Iowa and Wisconsin both have kind of had their ups and downs. They're really good. They're disciplined. They, they do it all well, and they can hit from distance. Uh, do you think Iowa can, can find a little more defense uh, towards the, the end of February into March? And with Wisconsin, what, what do they need to clean up in your opinion? Yeah, I think Iowa's defense has actually been pretty good. I mean, I thought their defense was awesome against Michigan State. You know, I, I thought it was good enough to beat Indiana in a mm-hmm. game that their offense really surprisingly didn't show up in. And, you know, they lost that game. But then they beat Michigan State by 30. And that's with Garza scoring eight. I mean, that, that to me is what makes Iowa really dangerous, especially in a short turnaround tournament. I mean, you got guys like Wieskamp that can fill it up. And Keegan Murray's really good. And Jack Nungy gives Garza a breather. I think they're a really dangerous basketball team. Wisconsin, to me, has not been the Wisconsin that we've seen in years past. Uh, they're a team that I think could win a game, maybe two if they overperform in the NCAA tournament. I hope they prove me wrong, but I'm not sure I see them built to make a deep run this year. Rick, a uh, number of Big Ten teams. Are you firm at nine? Do you think it's eight when it's all said and done in a week and a half, two weeks as we get into yeah, Big I Ten tournament? I wouldn't be surprised with either of those numbers. I really wouldn't be. I just think that the cannibalization is so tough at the end of the year. Teams are going to lose. I do think you're going to be in a position to get at least nine when you get to the Big Ten tournament. But I do think that teams like Indiana, Maryland, perhaps Minnesota are going to arrive in Indianapolis, and they're going to know you got to win probably two games to get into the tournament. That's a tough ask in this league this year to win two in a row against anybody. You have to have the exact right combination of games on back-to-back nights. I think nine is a really good number. I think if you get to nine, you have to be considered a really successful conference. I don't think there's any doubt the Big Ten has been the best basketball conference in the country this year. Rick Pizzo, catch him with the Big Ten Network at BTN. Rick Pizzo, Rick, take care. Have a good week. Thanks for the time. Schmitty, my pleasure as always. Enjoy the back-to-back, man. There he is, uh, Big Ten Buffet. It's Rick Pizzo, Hale Varsity Radio. Rick Kaczynski's coming up, and we'll dive into uh, some stories from the sideline and some cold sidelines with Kaz. Uh, a lot of a lot of tight ball games, so we'll we'll go down memory lane with Kaz. Some thoughts uh, also on the way on, on Jalen Johnson opting out for Duke. I know that's been a Fierce topic on Twitter. A lot of basketball guys that played ball for some old school coaches are going off on this decision. I tend to drift towards more of my get off my lawn type mentality with that. So uh, we'll get in there. Uh, A name to watch in the quarterback transfer portal couple. uh, And I don't know that you go that route if you're Nebraska. But uh, a couple there to to mention here before we're done at 6 o'clock tonight with Hale Varsity. You can always email the show. Do so, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Dial us up. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Give us a follow on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio or at Damon Barr. That's two R's. And Damon will... No doubt, during the commercial break, get a pot full of water, throw it in the air, 
and do his best Mr. Science impersonation. Rick Kaczynski is next on Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back to you, Tail Bar City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's get caught up with Rick Kaczynski, coach at Nebraska and Iowa. Kaz, uh, true or false, snow and sub-zero temperatures, perfect for football, myth or reality? That's a myth, bro. I don't care how <laughs> tough you are. <laughs> right? right. Fatigue, fatigue in cold makes cowards. Out of all of mm-hmm. us, so um, yeah, that's a uh, that's that's a myth. I think Schmitty, that uh, that Nebraska Iowa game in 2012. I think that's the coldest I've ever been in my life. I, I remember walking out in pregame, and I went over and uh, I was talking to uh, I was talking to JP, and I'm like, somebody's gonna die. I'm like, we shouldn't even <laughs> play this game today. It was I don't know what. <laughs> I don't. I don't think the temperature was like below zero. I don't know. It was probably the wind. That was the coldest football game that I had ever been a part of in my life. It was awful. I mean, credit to both teams. I mean, that was a hard-fought game. It was an ugly. It was an ugly game. But good lord, man, you had to be a tough dude to uh, to hit uh, bash your head to another human being on that day. That's my thing. I I didn't go to that. I've never. I've been to Iowa City, but I have not gone to a Nebraska. Iowa game in in Iowa City. I, I I will do that once this stupid pe- pandemic goes. I plan to do. Uh, my buddies uh, from near Iowa City uh, that I golf with, Iowa Russ. So he's a big Hawkeye guy, and uh, we're gonna go drink a lot of beer uh, on a Friday, and then and then go go to the game Saturday. And but long and short of it is, yeah, my dad and my brother, because my brother was living in Ankeny, and, mm-hmm. and they went. And my dad, bless his heart. I mean, he lived through the 70s of the Oklahoma-Nebraska game, you know, the day after Thanksgiving or around late November yep. where everybody froze their ass off, and it was Jack mm-hmm. Daniels and Hope that got you through. And uh, But he's like, no, never again am I going to a football. What is it about Iowa? Ames and Iowa City, Nebraska fans, like, still can't warm up from those two venues. Gosh, I, I, can't, I can't figure it out. I mean, honestly, that, that game – yeah, both games. Even the game in fourteen, um, that was God, it was it was it was brutally brutally cold, man. But uh, yeah, I don't know if it's just that wind. But I, I don't remember like um, Kinnick Stadium when I was coaching there being being a real windy stadium. Right. It's just uh, I guess it's just the luck of the, the luck of the draw. But I tell you that that game with uh, that series with with Bo. And uh, our staff. That was a that was a entertaining that was an enter, entertaining hard hard fought uh, hard fought series there, man. Those so, were those were such always something tough ball oh, games, yeah, always man. Always something unique, yeah. Always something unique to uh, to those games, you know. With the exception of 2013, which which was probably the most unique. All the stuff that was going on, you know, behind the scenes mm-hmm. with administration and things like that. But we need about we need about an hour podcast to. Uh, to, to talk about that one. Well, I can, we, I, we, we, can go, we can go back. <laughs> we can go back to the uh, to, to to being on the plane. Um, we'll go back to there. Talk to me about the plane. Days. Oh, let me tell you. Let me just say there were some people wearing uh, 
wearing Husker colors that were didn't seem real happy that uh, we had beat Penn State in overtime. So let's just let's just let's just say that we'll say the rest of it. We'll charge people to listen to the rest <laughs> of that story. <laughs> well, that was a that was a freaking blizzard you guys were in, and. Mm-hmm. I I got uh, an account from from the sideline from from somebody we we both know, and it was a situation where Bo was ticked off about special teams. He was letting Garrison have it, and and then you know. Was it Maher who drilled the winner? I forget who made the field goal. No, it wasn't it was Maher. Smith, it, right? Oh gosh, was it Smith? No. Uh. Yes, Patrick. Yes, Patrick, yes. yes. Yeah, he nailed it. He nailed it twice. I know because there's a false start. That's that's what set Bo off. Somebody had a false start. They had to kick it again. You guys had to kick it again, and and uh, as soon as it, it it splits the uprights, like Bo's wanting to hug and and like uh, Mr. Garrison is oh, like. Oh, I turned to JP. <laughs> Vinny, me and JP were standing next to each other. Uh huh. And uh, and literally the ball was going through the uprights, and I I turned to him. I said, "Let's get the hell out of here!" <laughs> literally walk off the field. I literally that was the conversation. And then uh, yeah, we got in the coaches. We got in the coaches' locker. And we were, we were freezing our uh, we were freezing our our asses off. And then you know just a just a bunch of pissed off angry angry guys. And then you know you get around your players. And like I said, even though Penn State was a little bit little bit down that year. Um, you know, right after the Sandusky mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, they, it's still Penn State. They still had good players, and you're playing in Beaver Stadium. And uh, you know, so you know, we found uh, we found a little little joy there in in Mudville after that win. And you know, we get on uh, we get on the plane, and some folks walked past us, and they honestly they they were grimacing. And I remember Bo turning turning and looking. It was it was Bo. And JP, and then it was me and Terry Joseph always sat next to each other. And, and uh, we always had cranberry juice, too. Just cranberry juice. So uh, Yeah, right. Just cranberry, yeah. So, <laughs> so me and T-Joe, we sat next together. We sat, we sat next to each other in the third row there. And Bo turned around, and he just said, did you see that? And we just all shook our heads, man. You know, and that's kind of... That kind of parlayed into the into the week uh, the week ahead of us. So, uh, yeah, man, that's that was. Uh, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but yeah, that that was a, that was a tough Iowa week. It was just, it was hard just kind of keeping the team together going into that Iowa game. And you know, God bless Ron Kellogg. Um, you know, I mean, but uh, you know, you're you're down to your to your third quarterback. You know, and and we're we're battling our tails off, man, and we're beat up and. I mean, you talk about a skeleton crew. I mean, I think, I think I went to that Iowa game in 2013 with uh, with five D linemen that that could actually play in the game. It was it was it was a wild deal, brother. Well, and and the guys you did have were pretty young. I mean, yeah, you, you had some some really talented dudes, but they hadn't seen a lot of starter rep snaps, or at least. You know, because I remember Vincent having no. a big game, but Vincent was oh yeah was really young uh, and, and oh, yeah. played really well. But yeah, that's just it, man. Uh, going from the Big Twelve, covering this team to the Big Ten, where and the Big Twelve was was awesome. It was fun, and then you get to the Big Ten, and it's not just that everyone in a headset is pretty money. It's the other yeah the other the other side of it being 
it's just a death march because oh you you just rock Penn State in overtime. Uh, here's Iowa, you know here here's Iowa coming to town, uh, and it's as cold or worse. And by the time it's November, everyone's just beat to hell. I mean it's well, it's, it's just stacked on, on top of one another, of right? Absolutely. I mean, I've been on I've been on both sides of it. You know, on the Iowa side and and the Nebraska side. And let me tell you, I mean, you are crawling. You are crawling to that game, crawling. And I, I, in 2011, when we played, uh, we played um, in Lincoln uh, at Iowa. It, I mean, same thing. I brought two kids, Darian Cooper. Um, I can't remember. Brought another D lineman, two redshirt guys, because that's that's what that's all we had. We were almost going to play two two guys that we had redshirted the entire season. Um, Riley McMahon and Darian Cooper, we brought them on the trip to Nebraska because we weren't sure if we had enough D linemen. And then, you know, right before the game, you know, we had a conversation saying, obviously, that's not fair to them. And, you know, we'll move this backer here. We go to this package. But, you know, Rex, Rex had a career day. They got us. We, we, we played pretty well. Uh, our offense couldn't generate a whole lot. And, uh, then Rex, they, they went unbalanced in the second half. And, uh, they were just running ISO, um, ISO to the uh, to the unbalanced side, and and we did, we didn't have an answer. We didn't have an answer for Rex, and but I mean it. But I mean both teams, man. I mean we were just beat up. You know, there's a ton of ton of respect. I mean at, at that point, I'm sure there is. I'm sure Nebraska's getting some of that now. But you know those games were they were they were bloodbaths, man. I mean we were crawling, and then even 2012, um, 2012 we're playing them, lose Baker. Lose Baker on the first series, mm. and I think we lost. Uh, didn't we lose? Didn't we lose the center too? So I was think that, we lose was our that Jackson? I think so. Yeah, yeah. You know, we so it, we go to we go to Iowa City in 2012. We commit. You know, we clinched the division. We got to play Iowa. You know, they're struggling. We got out of there. I think it was a 13-7 win, and we mm-hmm. had to play lights out. We had to play lights out um, in the second half to regain control of that game, man. So. Yeah, just wild times, man. Wild times. A few minutes, Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, you mentioned the Iowa-Nebraska showdown. And is there a, a game that you either were part of at Iowa, Nebraska, or let's go back to Notre Dame that that's just kind of burned into memory? You've laid out some, but like a post-game kind of a, wow, I'm really enjoying this win. Well, you know, you, you, I guess when you, when you look at the ones you enjoy, you kind of bundle them all together. There's a few that stick out. I'll get to that. But, you know, as a coach and a player, you, you, you know, you reflect on the ones got away. I mean, the 95 Orange Bowl played Florida State at Notre Dame. And, uh, gosh, I mean, we were in control of that game. We're up 26-14 with about seven minutes to go, end up losing. We had, we had a punt return called back. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. And, um you know, defense just couldn't get them. You know, Florida State realized that uh, they were Florida State, and and uh, I think we played a lot of man, and they just went up and down the field on the last two drives and ended up beating us. That's just one man you just wish you had back. And then Southern Cal '96, we had we had beaten them, I think, ten years in a row um, at that point. And you know, we're going in the score. Had a guy I'll say his name. He dropped the ball and fumbled. Malcolm Johnson would have put us up. Would have put us up by uh, would have put us up by 15 with uh, two minutes to go, 
And, uh, you know, they go down, score, and go for two, tie it. We go to overtime. They beat us in overtime. So, you know, that's just, you know, stuff like that is what sticks with you. But, of course, man, the locker room, that's, I mean, you know, I mean, Norm Parker, he used to say it all the time, man. He's like, you know, you do it for the, he said, we played Penn State in, in 2000, 2009 at Penn State, and it was supposed to be their revenge game from 2008 when we beat them on a last-second field goal. And and he talked to us all week uh, to, to the defensive staff. He said, hey, guys, just look at your kids' faces when we beat Penn State's ass. And Penn State had a really good team. We go in there to white out. They score on the first game of the first play of the game, 80-yard touchdown. I want to flip sidelines. I'm like, huh. I'm kind of pulling for Penn State. Penn, Penn, I'm like, this is cool. White out. I'm like, holy cow. I want to coach here. More with Kaz. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Bar City. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barmore with Coach Kaczynski here in a minute. We'll pick up our conversation about wideouts and wind. Tales from the gridiron with Kaz. Uh, we'll get to some recruiting, too. Some big-name transfers that are out there. Make any sense for Nebraska to maybe take a peek? Here's more with Kaz. <laughs> and then next thing you know, we just kind of, you know, he's throwing punches back and forth. Claiborne blocks that punt. And, uh, you know, we end up winning. And I remember going in that locker room and just, like, just remember Norm saying, you know, he's like, look at their faces, Ricky. And I was like, you know, it's, it's amazing, man, because it did. You know, we just – that that Penn State game, the Orange Bowl locker room that year. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many. Same thing at Nebraska, that Northwestern locker room, um, you know, the Iowa locker room after uh, after we beat them in 12 to to clinch the division. So I mean just there's just just a lot of memories. I think Michigan Michigan was special too in 2013. Um you know that that was a hard 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 fought game. That was a cold game and and once again I know people say Michigan's down. Michigan's never Michigan always has good players and Michigan's always hard to beat. And you know uh, Amir scored on an option play there. And it was just just great. I mean, you're going up that tunnel that Bo Schembechler walked up. I mean, just just gosh, man, there's just so much history, and you're beating Michigan in the in the big house, and you're walking up with the Michigan players, and you know it's just a cool cool deal. And I actually I think I have a video of of Bo after that game, you know, talking to the team. And so yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of memories like that, man. You know, and. Uh, but yeah, I think more as coaches and players, you know, you're always looking at, you're always kind of reflecting more on the ones that that got away a little bit more than the ones that uh, that that you won. But yeah, there's some there's some there's some special memories. I remember beating Texas's ass down there. You guys know how that beat them on a last second field goal in in '96 down there. I think the, the heat index was about 123 on the field, and uh, we beat them on a last second field goal, and and I had some. I had some choice words for uh, for a few of the Longhorn fans going into that locker. You remember that old locker room? You went underneath the stadium there, Schmitty. I, I remember uh, that one. I I know that they they would come out from I don't know if it was south or north, and Bevo's tranked out of his mind off to the left, <laughs> and, and and that's it. I was down in Austin in '99 where Nebraska national title type team right that went 12 and one 
So I went down yeah. there with my college buddies, and my my cousin uh, was going to Texas. It's crazy. Uh, in the Schmidt household, right, you've got one cousin that went to Colorado, one that went to Texas, that uh, they grew up in Houston. That's Cousin Dino's kids, and shout out to Cousin Dino. He's, uh love him dearly. <laughs> and and we're down there, and, and, and my cousin, he lived in this, this setup, right? He lived next to one of the Bush twins. So we're playing uh-huh. beer. We're playing beer pong till all hours with one of the Bush twins, and it was it was great. And then like everyone's partying, McConaughey's on the sideline. Nebraska got even in the Big Twelve title game, but that that loss at the end was just. We had great seats. Uh, we had incredible yeah. seats, but it, it yeah. just, you were just like son of a gun. Now the the best part of that whole weekend was sitting down having a beer with Earl Campbell at his uh, barbecue joint on, on 6th Street. Oh, he's the best. I mean, he's the best. I mean, he's he's the <laughs> He's awesome. He's the, he's the absolute best, man. Absolute best. But I I never got the, the the locker room treatment. Kaz, we'll get you out of here on this. This is fun to chat some ball with you. Coach Holtz and I've had him on the show a few times and he's just he's so awesome to 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 hear his his storytelling ability. But he he is so wise, and he had to be a guy that the guys, I mean, not to go cliche here on you, but would run through the wall for because he was such a, a motivator. Is that fair to say about him? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you had to, you had to earn your stripes with Coach Holt, but you also knew that there was a path to that. You, you, you saw what the benefits were if you earn those stripes. So you came to work every, it's like your, it's like your dad. It's like that male mentor mm-hmm. role model. You're always trying to pre, you, you want that acceptance. You want that approval. And once you got it, it was so powerful. And, you know, there was never a game at Notre Dame where that I was involved in as a player where I thought, man, we don't have a chance. I mean, no matter what, I was like, you know, we're, we're, we're in this game, man. You look to the sidelines and you're like, okay, Coach Holtz is going to, he's going to, he's going to figure this out for us. Right. And that's how, and that's how we all felt in, or at least that's how I, I guess I can just speak. I can speak for me. That's how, that's how, Hey, we'll see you later. Sorry, I'm still at work here, but uh, <laughs> that's how we, you know, that's how we all felt. And at least the guys that, uh, that I was around and, and respected coach and, and he, he knew the buttons to push, um, you know, I'm sure. And I, I had the privilege of working for him also. And I saw how he changed, you know, and I, I think that's, that's, that's what was great about him. He knew that he couldn't be the same coach at Notre Dame that um, – or couldn't be the same coach at South Carolina that he was at Notre Dame. And, you know, there's just uh, – and I think that's – that tells you about the guy. You know, he he reads people, he reads pay, uh, players, knows how to motivate them. He knows their background, right? He knows about their parents. He knows where they come from. He knows what they're susceptible to. And you know, you it's real easy to buy into him because you know you believe everything he says. You know, you believe this guy. If I listen to him, he can he can make me great. Kaz, thanks uh, for for jumping on, brother. So Kaz uh, was just fun to sit down with. A lot of, a lot of thoughts on coaching locker rooms, and w- listen, the weather's been a topic, <laughs> okay, with the wind chill and the temperatures, and we just got off on ball games that we froze at, either as a spectator or that 
he lived on the sideline at Nebraska and Iowa. Pretty good chat with him. We'll dive into some recruiting shortly uh, here uh, in just a moment. We'll wrap up the show with some of the kids that you need to know about. Some pretty high-profile guys in the portal. You know, what's what's Nebraska's interest? We, we really won't know till till spring is complete with uh, what, you know, what, what direction Nebraska will go. But uh, needless to say, some, some names to get into in a bit. Uh, so let's, uh, let's get a, a final Maryland-Nebraska prediction in here, Mr. Damon Barr. Maryland averages about 70 a game. The line's 10. I think Nebraska gives a good effort tonight. I don't think they're, they're quite out of gas, and I'm not questioning their their motivation or intensity. I just think at some point you you hit that wall. I think tonight might be the wall, and I think they can come back and, and maybe get a split tomorrow. We'll see. But I think Maryland maybe has a bit too much. Nebraska's been on quite a march, and I think Maryland gets it done tonight. Uh, they, they just get it covered by about 11 or so. Give me Maryland 71 to 60 over Nebraska, and you know, Nebraska's defense has been pretty big time. I just wonder if Nebraska can keep sharing that basketball. And I have no doubt Fred will have a good game plan for the Big Red. Can you get some scoring out of Walker? He's done everything else for you. And and do you keep getting that bench production? You were able to out-rebound and outscore Penn State with your bench players. And and Maryland, do they have a a fourth guy kind of step up and and do Nebraska dirty tonight? We'll be be sure to check in on it. We'll wind down a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Thanks for spending time. Take the podcast with you, the Heard At Media platform, amazing podcast choices, Greg Smith, Jay Foreman, Aaron Sorensen, of course, uh, Brandon Vogel, Jay Moore, Damon Benning, uh, along with uh, Jacob Padilla, and of course, uh, your, your, your friend Chick and Nick get it handled. So... Uh, all that, uh, the Heard at Media platform, uh, heardatmedia.com. Get the podcast, check those out. Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, give us a rating, give us some feedback. Let us know uh, what you like, what you hate, all things in between. And uh, do so, uh, can check that out, hailvarsity.com, but also your uh, your major podcast platforms, ESPNLincoln.com for the on-demand. Go there, get the interviews you want as well. And a reminder about buckling up, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So on the recruiting front, uh, and this is a good list here by Rivals that's out there, what, what are the top... Uh, linebackers at least coming in to the 2016 class was Ben Davis. Dad was the all-time leading tackler at Alabama. 
really has never popped for for the Crimson Tide. Spent, spent time between inside and outside backer. So he is looking to move on from, from Bama. So maybe Marshall or, or Arkansas State, maybe Boise or A&M, maybe even Illinois with uh, Bielema. So uh, that's a name to look for. Uh, Tyler Shaw, the Oregon quarterback. Oregon didn't quite live up. It was really kind of a, a, a wonky year for the Pac-12. Uh, a, hey, why don't you play SC for the Pac-12 title, even though you and Colorado never officially settled it on the field? But he's a guy that was going to go to Carolina, ended up at Oregon, threw for 13 touchdowns, 63.5% completion percentage. So he is one quarterback on the market that needs better consistency and accuracy, but has power five talent and can go find a spot. Penn State's looking for a quarterback. Uh, Oregon State, don't know how sold they are. Washington State, you know, we'll see what plays out for Nebraska behind Adrian at quarterback, and we'll see where, you know, Adrian's able to take steps forward. I mean, this is old hat for him with with another spring. And, you know, Adrian is, when he's protected and when he's healthy, man, he's, he's really, really talented. He's not always been protected, and he's not always been healthy. And then there's just maybe a little bit of maybe trying to do too much from time to time, trying to go make plays. So he can grow his game, obviously, to look closer to, to freshman Adrian. So I don't know if Nebraska, they have not gone and gotten a transfer, clearly, in the Frost era. And I don't know why they would again. They want to develop and kind of groom and grow who's behind Adrian. But Shaw's a guy that's out there. A couple more players, uh, one from West Virginia, Deshaun Miller, really good defensive back. So, And then you got an athlete that is a Michigan kid that's kind of a hand-in-the-dirt outside backer, Van Sermeren. So we'll be back tomorrow. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity.